knows what the story is? I need to look it up because it's gorgeous. Mm. It's absolutely gorgeous. You do. It's like you're free running almost. So it's just the world just. And you can engage like the way you engage uh, like opponents one on one. Yeah. It's like every other game. You can lock it with a button and you can block and then, you know, then it turns into like a fighting game because it's locked in. Mm. But if there's like three people and you ambush them. Mm. It turns into this cutscene type of thing. Oh, for real? Where you're, where you, it's not like the timing of the buttons, but it's still the combos you can press. There were other games that used to have something like that. Like in the cutscene, it would tell you which button right. you had to press when. But it's an advanced version of that. Instead mm. of the timing and which button to press, you're in there and you can do your combo. And depending on where the bad guys are, is how the like. <laughs> Mm. roll mm. re-engage mm. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's ridiculous it's, mm. it's it's obvious i've missed years of gaming <laughs> what it is, but it looks amazing yeah that's good that's good games are crazy nowadays yeah. i haven't like you i don't know what a game system even looks like anymore well they, they think they look the same yeah but on the outside but all that matters is what's on the inside it's on the inside so what, what what's our what, what are we discussing today we should go with the religion topic. Well, let's talk about it. Ooh, might be contentious. People might get some feelings hurt today. Well, what what, what else would be the point? Let's bring some controversy. Mm. Oh, would you want to do that? Yeah, he he had a stage now. Why I got to make him go to church now anyway? <laughs> <laughs> That's different, though. That's no. different. Well, well, I mean, we can question. We can talk openly. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. What, what, what are what are what are our thoughts? What are your thoughts? Where 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 are we going with this? I mean, are we taking it to the point where is there a god? Or are we just talking about you know the role of religion? Does God exist? There's want, a god. I want you and Daryl to tie that knot <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Hey, I want you and Daryl to tie that knot. He freed Gilligan. Now we going there, or, <laughs> or are we just talking about? Well, I guess let's let's talk about the role of religion in our lives now. In how, our how, lives, how, I think. That's... Yeah. How how do we see religion? I mean, for me, y'all know, and if y'all listening, our consistent listeners should know. You know, I I'm a pastor of a church, so you know, I definitely believe in God. I definitely believe faith plays a major role in my life not believe that i believe it should play a major role in everyone's life but it does play a major role in my life um so that i mean i'm a, I'm a person that I, I i pastor a church so you know I, I attend church pretty frequently um regularly um i come from a long line of pastors right i'm a fourth generation pastor uh father's a pastor grandfather's a pastor great-grandfather's a pastor and even on, uh, you know, and that's all on the paternal side, but on the maternal side, you know, uh, my grandfather was a pastor as well. All my uncles, now I won't say all, but three of my uncles are, uh, well, three of my uncles are on, are on my mother's side are ordained preachers. Two of them were pastors. Uh, one passed away. Uh, well, I'm sorry, two have passed away and one still pastors a church in in Michigan. So, um, 
Yeah, man. I mean, I was raised in a way where, you know, I grew up. Y'all know this, right? I grew up going to church pretty regularly. So. Did you feel pressure to, pressured to go into that line? No, 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 no. Because, I mean, there was a period in my life where I left organized religion from about maybe 21 to 26. I just. Yeah, but that notwithstanding, mm-hmm. was there an initial pressure to. Oh, I thought he meant pressure as to be a pastor, per se. Because, no, I didn't feel. Pr- well, growing up, definitely, I want to say, well, was there pressure to go to church? That was just like an understanding. In Were my you household. asking about pressure yeah, so to go to church or pressure to, to go, go into? To I know he was pressured to oh, go to yeah. church. Oh, yeah. Pressure to go into, into being, a pastor. being a pastor. No, no, no. I wasn't pressured because that came. I never thought I was going to even be a pastor until I got to about 27, 28. When I came back to organized religion on my own, mm-hmm. right? So when I left organized religion, and I, it wasn't like it was a big announcement per se, but I, I'm pretty sure, I know my mom could tell that, you know, there was something different. I would go to church when I came home on visits because, you know, I would still want to go support my dad. I would go to church, but yeah. I didn't necessarily live or subscribe to some of those things. Yeah. But when I came back into the faith after reading the gospels for myself and reading the Bible for myself, I came back into the faith around 26 27 and that everything from that point on has just been my own volition um when i had my oldest daughter that's when i started coming back into the faith and i would it would just be me and her uh when she i would take her as a uh you know a baby in her baby seat i would go to a church in philadelphia just me and her mm-hmm. so it wasn't like i was pressured it was just something that i felt i you know i needed and wanted to do so but growing up it was like, hey, if you you know if you live in this house, you you go into church. church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and um, I'm actually you know now I'm thankful for it. But yeah, definitely there was there was no way you could grow up in my household and not expect to go to church on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What about y'all? What, what was church like for y'all growing up? Uh, I guess I'll go. Um similar background my both sides of my family my maternal side and paternal side Mm -hmm. has several pastors Mm -hmm. preachers ministers amongst the ranks Mm -hmm. Um, my dad's dad was a pastor Mm -hmm. Um, my mom has had several brothers and brothers-in-laws who are pastors Uh, my dad has a brother two brothers who are pastors Mm -hmm. and so um you know, we, coming from Jamaica, grew up in a Pentecostal church. Um, mm, Pentecostal, so, yeah. So that's what, you know, the church knew me before I knew me. Gotcha. So much like you, I grew up going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the first church in my life was a church that's in your town. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, that's where we used to go to church. So, uh, so yeah, it was a Pentecostal Christian denomination. Speaking in tongues was a natural thing, a natural occurrence for me to see every Sunday morning. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the major, I think, defining characters of a Pentecostal church is, mm-hmm. is it's one of the um, denominations that they call, what do they call them? That they like have. The miracles? Yeah, well, they have like, uh, 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 they, there's a word that they use to mm-hmm. describe uh, very upbeat churches and uh, charisma. Oh, right. oh, oh, one of those charismatic, those charismatic call and, churches. Call and yeah. response. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't like, I think some of the Pentecostal churches in the United States, you know, they do like snake handling and stuff like that. We oh. didn't do that. We were oh, mostly okay. like, you know, 
speaking in tongues. You know, you catch the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues. Pentecostal. And, and, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up going to that church. Gotcha. Um, and then it was just like you. You you in this house, you, you're going to church. Mm-hmm. More on my mother's side than on my father's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we got old enough, in my father's estimation, it was our choice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then for me... I decided, nah, I don't want to go. This is my only day off. <laughs> I understand. You know, I didn't want to go. And I was, what, like 12, 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of stopped going to church, doing other things. I, I had football games on Sundays, mm-hmm. so that kind of took the place and, and, and all that. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it I stopped going to church for quite some time. I'd say from I was 12, 13, 14 till I was – uh, till after I graduated college. Okay. Cool. Um, and then after that, you know, things go on in your life, yeah. points you in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And to, at some point there was a calling in my early twenties. Yeah. Um, and I started going on my own volition. Yeah. Um, luckily I, like I said, I had family members who were pastors. So mm-hmm. I started going to my uncle's church mm-hmm. and, the way he preached to me was a little bit different than I ever experienced growing up Mm -hmm. because he was more of a teacher. Like he would, he would make it logical Mm -hmm. in a way that my brain can understand it. Like to me, the Pentecostal church was very emotional. Uh And if it was, that's their reputation. It's a feelings based church. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that never caught on with me. Um, but when I started to go to his church and he started preaching, teaching, he would connect Old Testament with New Testament and things to come and things that have been foretold mm-hmm. in the past and, uh, you know, bring it to everyday life. You know, this is how this situation can apply to your life nowadays. Mm-hmm. And um, so that spoke to me. And so even though I had the call and before I started going back to his church because of the way he preached, mm-hmm. it really got me involved. Like I really became, uh, I don't know. Uh, I won't say I was, you know, like uh, I became part of the church or anything right. like that, but I went every Sunday. Yeah. I didn't have anybody telling me I had to go. I went every Sunday. Um, I, I came home with a message. I felt good about it. Mm. And, um, so you like a, a, a church goer? You were I, a church church, I was a church yeah, goer. I wasn't a member of the church, yeah. but I was a church goer. And it was a part of your regular day. And it was a part regular of my regular week. weekly, yeah, yeah. weekly mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then he starts. I started seeing some things mm-hmm. that were common in that church, mm-hmm. not necessarily with my uncle as a pastor, right. but with just the church itself. The membership, right? Uh, that I saw with the church of my youth growing up. Okay. And then I started having conversations with my dad about why he never went to church and stuff like that. And so I kind of pulled out, um, pause, uh, <laughs> from attending church services <laughs> and pull, uh, pulled away, I guess would be a better uh, term, uh, especially for this topic. <laughs> but I, I, I uh, you know, I pulled away from going back to church because to me, there were just too many conflicts in my mind about how things should have been versus how they actually were. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't justify supporting and attending an organization because of those conflicts anymore. We can get into that. Yeah. I know we're just given like a historical context mm-hmm. of our religious uh, yeah. upbringing, so to speak. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I grew up in the church as well. It's interesting hearing you guys. My 
maternal um, grandparents, both pastors, and I owned a church in Queens. Mm. And uh, yeah, there was no, there was there was nothing but pressure to go to church mm. to the point where there was there were a couple years stretch where we were just sent to church. Mm-hmm. That my, you know, it's my mother's parents, mm-hmm. and she would just drop us off, and she'd be out. So that <laughs> that used to that used to really like mess with my mind for a long time with it. But they were, um, they was the thought of you know study, study, study. You'd read through your Bible. They had uh, almost like testing and quizzing, mm-hmm. you know, and where metrics where you should be by now. Um, for instance, in whatever month, if they said that they had started mm-hmm. you know, reading again and there was a certain amount of um, chapters you had to read for the week and stuff like that. So it was mm. very regimented. Um, you know, I can really tell you what the specific denomination was. My grandmother just liked to say we were Christian. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I get it. But um, it wasn't. It was a charismatic church. A lot of, a lot of music. A lot of upbeat. And there was a couple members in there who would speak in tons when you know when the Holy Ghost hit them as they would be, mm-hmm. as they would um, cite it themselves. And you know, for a long time, uh, in Caribbean church as well, for a long time, I, I did not like going because it was like three to four hours mm. a normal mm-hmm. normal sunday mm. air conditioning you know, wasn't turned up if it there was no air conditioning mm-hmm. you you get the you got the fans mm-hmm. you know usually had a funeral funeral home on them yeah. <laughs> on the fan on but the back right. you get you get the fans and um what i didn't know at that time was have this it's like a weird allergy like if i get too hot I start sneezing mm. when my nose starts running, mm. and it's and it was weird, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm sitting in this hot church in a three piece suit, trying mm. to understand, trying to sing, and everything. And then, like, I just start sneezing, and eyes running, mm. and watery, and mm. and it, I started to associate church with being uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, you know, but. Was you allergic to Jesus? No, no, no. I <laughs> totally love Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. Yeah, but, uh, yeah he's pretty cool. But the the whole the whole time aspect of it to me, or the I guess when I would speak my discomfort or why I had a problem, it was it was minimalized. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, oh, you're hot, big deal. You used yeah, to fail. You're a kid, sit down. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, so it didn't mess up. It it didn't mess up the message to me. I mm. felt it helped me internalize it. But later on in life, all those experiences ended up manifesting manifesting in other ways to the point where those are major aspects of the churches. I was looking at like how long is your service? Right, <laughs> right. Because mm. what's what's my what's my um commitment mm-hmm. or what's required of mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. from this, right? But so for a while, yeah, I didn't I didn't go, especially after we moved and we were looking for new churches. I would go, you know, I'd hear these people out. We found this first church and it was the complete opposite. Um, It was a white church and Mm -hmm. they attempted to do the experience that we were used to songs and a 
But the first thing I I would think is they have no drums. Mm-hmm. Like how am I how am I going to go to church mm-hmm. with no drummer? No drums. <laughs> it's like all right. So mm-hmm. so I tried. I stayed away from that for a while. And then Did they have it. an electric guitar? Of course. Of course, shout Just out for to context. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, and um, so I was out of of it for a while, and I I would say all sorts of crazy things. My parents would ask me to go to church, and I'm like, I'm at church right now. I'm like, I'm at the church of the NFL. I'm watching football. <laughs> you know, all sorts of messed up things when I think about it in hindsight. But um. You know, God bless me with patient parents. Yeah. We ended up finding another church and it was good. It was um it was a it was a black church. It was a Baptist church. They had drums. Mm-hmm. They had black and white people mm-hmm. that you know So it was what you were used to before you moved up. It here. had a much more it had a much more um congruent of idea of what I had about church. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he 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 spoke a lot differently than my grandparents did but i feel like he was attempting to get the point across to younger people as to why he why we should be there mm-hmm. and i was very thankful very thankful for that because it put going to church and the my idea of a church into a better perspective as well as he was now talking about you know economic programs for the people like he was and this is uh pastor walter hall mm-hmm. was a great pastor i thought um god rest his soul mm-hmm. and he 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 put he put the uh running of a church into more of a this is all of us sort of thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. compared to everywhere else i go is collection plate just put your money in there mm-hmm. and we'll take care mm-hmm. of it, right mm-hmm. but he was more of uh this is why we're taking this collection this is why we're doing this collection this comes for the building fund you know mm-hmm. different sundays right. you know not all at the same time which mm-hmm. can you know can be i don't know daunting for people sometimes yeah. Yeah. you know it's a lot of collections but you know, it was more about the economic responsibility. This is what we're going to do so we could pay off the deeds for the church. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do so we can um, build a vestibule for the church. Mm-hmm. Like he, he went through great lengths to make you feel part of the church, mm-hmm. into the church. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. So is it the community of the church that really drew you in? The idea of, of what I think church should be. Mm-hmm. It's Which is more communal. I think so. And everybody have invested in it some way everybody yes. owns it I, f- I, f- I feel like that's the only way is yeah. not, you know because some of be. these churches i don't understand i don't understand how it goes on i don't mm-hmm. understand how you can have a mega church i didn't even think it's supposed to be possible mm-hmm. you know well to me that's part of the reason why i stepped away right because the meaning of what church sh- was to me or what it should have been to me and what i was experiencing diverged mm-hmm. right to me it's like it should be communal yeah you gotta have some funds to make sure that the church is up and running and you can do what you need to do but it's sh- I-, I believe that it should be run on a shoestring kind of budget okay because it's about the works 
and about the faith mm-hmm. and about getting people in a place in their life where they can be uh, the best person that they can be in all aspects of their life. And then everything to me comes from that. Okay. Right. And so building up a, a, a church be, with building funds and funds for this and funds for that. And like you said, not knowing where those funds are going and no accountability. And it just seemed that you were building up these funds to build up these funds and then direct them in a way so that the church appears to be a church where people want to go, like mm-hmm. a large building with upgrades mm-hmm. and air conditioning, <laughs> yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that it attracts more people so that you can get more funding and it just kind of rolls on itself. So that's one one of the reasons why I kind of stepped away from it because I felt like that's not what the meaning should be all about. It it should flow from that. You know, mm-hmm. you know, of course you have to maintain your building. Of course you want to grow, you know, your 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 people in your pews, the amount of people in your pews. Because that means you're teaching the good message and people want to hear it and they want to be renewed in their spirit and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. to me, and maybe it's just the churches that I've gone to, but I've seen it on TV and mega churches and hear about these huge pastors who have all this money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just seems antithetical completely to what the actual church should be about. Mm -hmm. And some of their members are hungry. Hungry. Mm -hmm. Or struggling or whatever hungry and 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 giving their last dime to the collection plate rather than using it you know because it's gonna you know they're taught that it's gonna come back to them Mm. in some way or another Mm. you know Mm. right that that's what that's one of those things that that's what isn't that's called what like religious fraud when you when you start say you know selling the funding of the church as the pathway to your soul salvation mm, mm. yeah i refer to it i i think if we're talking about the same thing you know prosperity gospel mm-hmm. yeah the prosperity gospel i have some issues you give that. and things it will be coming back to you tenfold to you. and all that sort of thing yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that that's a big problem for me too and uh and, <clears throat> and that was one of the things i liked about uh the the latest church that i had found was that um you know the pastor would look out for his members, if if there was somebody that was, and I mean beyond a, a prayer list or or a prayer mm-hmm. phone list and mm-hmm. things like that, there was, you know, this if somebody needed help, they'd get meals um, delivered for that person, mm-hmm. or um, if it was economic, they would. There was a there was a I forget what they call them. So a, a group like a like a ministry or there's a, a group ministry or yeah there's yeah. a ministry you could go to mm-hmm. that that could take a look at and the, and these were people in the church that you know just had more experience with finances mm-hmm. or maybe one right. was an accountant right. or you know something like that they they take a look and t- try to help you with what's going on like yeah. actual help you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so that i always thought that was cool i always thought that that's what should be um that's what church really should be and then the faith and worship on sundays is the bonus mm. yeah you know and yeah. it and it and it brings you all together through your faith mm. to be a stronger community or to to help your community yeah you know, so similar what i what i seen weldon do at his church mm-hmm. there's there's things you can do 
that's underlying for everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that'll bring all boats that'll help all boats rise and that sort of that sort of approach is is i think I've, I've been missing for a very long time yeah I, it sounds like you guys i guess when i'm thinking about what made me leave it sounds a little different than from what made you all leave but maybe not entirely different uh but maybe it's in the same in the sense that it was like our perceptions of what church is supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, what I spoke about was just one aspect. Right, right, one aspect, yeah. right? And I, I and I guess in that sense, yeah, mine's not too different. Uh, what made me leave was what I viewed at the time, because I wouldn't call it that now, but at the time I viewed it as it was just a lot of hypocrisy, mm-hmm. prevalent hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, had an, I had a different understanding then than what I do now about that. So for me, I felt like there were a lot of people pretending, right? Saying and acting one way and actually being another. And that is a actual turnoff, especially if you're someone like me at the time when I decided to leave 21. I would consider myself at 21. I was still young in the faith, even though I grew up going to church since birth. Yeah. I didn't really it wasn't understand. of your own yeah, volition. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't really start having an a, an understand. I would say by the time I was 21, my understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus was still young. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, now I m- way different than even my outlook of why I left uh or what I was viewing as reasons for leaving. I have a different viewpoint of that now than I did at 21. But at 21, you know, my understanding of what the church should be and who the people in church should be, I just felt like there was too much hypocrisy. Yeah, agreed. And I grew up, like I said, as a PK. So meaning that, you know, my father would get... And what does PK mean? Just I'm so. sorry, you're right. Preacher's kid. Right. And and in this instance, not even just a preacher's kid, but I was the pastor's kid, right? right? So the pastor's kid, and I'm just saying... I knew, I, I'm going to say I knew a lot of stuff, but being that I was a pastor's kid, I would see things that my dad would have to deal with or hear. Sometimes just coming home from church, my dad would vent to my mom mm. driving home from mm-hmm. church, right? Mm-hmm. But we're in the back seat. We so are young, yeah. but we hear everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm like, what? And, and, and I could see that it was a lot of wear and tear. But not only that, but even in my own lives, and I would say even in, 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 in my own family's lives, I thought that. We just weren't what we or no, we weren't what we were supposed to be and people weren't what they were supposed to be. So I was like, I didn't want to be a part of that. Uh, I I went to college. So 21, I'm I'm, I'm about to go to grad school. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm shifting my thinking to a more progressive radical way of looking and experiencing the world and i'm just like i'm i don't want to go to church if this is if i have to pretend Mm -hmm. i just wanted to be who i was and i wanted to think how i thought and and i even thought at that time at that time i didn't think you could be really about black people and christian at the same time that was just my thought back then of Mm -hmm. course it's changed now Mm -hmm. so for all these reasons i uh i left but um in me leaving, you know, I left the church around 21, around 22, 23. I really began to engage in community organizing when I got when I got to grad school and I lived in Philly and began community organizing in Philly. I want to say my last year at Stony Brook, last two years at Stony Brook, I began to have a shift in my thinking. But that shift in my thinking wasn't substantiated by much until I went to Philly. Mm -hmm. Philly was a totally different culture, totally different experience, and I was able to see things more clearly in Philly culturally 
than I saw in New York, mm-hmm. uh, upstate New York. I probably would have seen it if I was like living in New York City, mm-hmm. but um, I was able to see things differently in Philly. And what I was learning my last two years at, in undergrad and what I was learning about my culture and my viewpoints, it was being substantiated by the work I was doing in Philly. And I really committed myself to being a community organizer. And I just didn't think you could be an organizer for, for black people specifically and a Christian at the same time. So from Why 20, well, at the time, my thinking was that Christianity was the white man's religion. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really and what would substantiate that thinking. Right. So I don't know if you remember, but but. I began to be around eighth grade. I began to start listening to Malcolm X speeches. Yeah, I remember the hats. Yeah, yeah. ninety two, right? Remember when we were in and the movie myself. came out, yeah. right? So I remember I began to listen to some of his speeches, his cassette tapes. And if you know Malcolm X, you know Malcolm X was very critical of Christianity, not the essence of the religion, but he was very critical over how much Americanism would seem to be attached to mainstream Christianity. Right. Whether it be how you view Jesus, how right. he's portrayed, right. who he looks like. Right. And for me, I thought that all that was, you can't be both. Yeah. yeah. So if I felt like if I had to choose, I knew which one I was going to choose. So that's what I decided. But for me, you know, I, I just felt like you had to, I had to choose one. I did not want to feel conflicted. I did not want to feel like a hypocrite. So I begin to even adopt values that I felt wouldn't make me hypocritical Mm. values that now I I have a better understanding of why certain values in the faith are promoted. But I just chose to completely disregard those values because for me, I was, what was important was I did not want to be a hypocrite. I did not want to portray myself as something or someone other than I was. Mm. And I felt like too many people in the church we're doing that, so I did not feel like church as a building, church as an organization, was a safe place or a a realistic place um, to continue to try to live in mm. that s- sort of way. So I just chose to give it up. I just said, "Hey, man, I'm not gonna be in the church like that." And uh, it wasn't a big, drastic thing where I had to really explain to my parents. I feel like at 21, at that time, at 21, my I know my dad was basically like, you know, at this point, find out for yourself, find mm. your religion for yourself. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my mom was disappointed with the choice that I, w- I had made at the time. Right. But I never disrespected the church. Like I said earlier, like I would still go to church because I knew like, say, for instance, if I was home for the weekend, mm-hmm. I knew my mom's custom was to go to church. So yeah. on Sunday, I was still going to go, whether it be to be with her, whether it be to make sure I, you know, saw my dad. But I. I did not partake in it beyond that. See, I find that interesting because, like, even right now, I have a feeling that, or I, I get that feeling sometimes, mm-hmm. that Christianity is a, a is a religion that was imposed on us yeah. and imposed on our ancestors of us. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I know we can't go and trace back to what it would be you know what's the what the equivalent should be or or would be if if christianity wasn't imposed on us at at whichever time it was mm-hmm. but i mean i it just becomes a fleeting thought i'm not running away from god i still mm-hmm. <laughs> i still believe in god yeah. i think through most of my studies i've 
find that the presence of God is even more prevalent mm. than I had previously thought. But I I can't ha- I can't shake that feeling that this religion isn't necessarily the one that we'd be following mm. under a lot of different circumstances, I guess. But uh, yeah, there's a lot there for me. Um, where do I start? I mean, the beginning. Yeah, yeah right. No, no, we we we, we hit the beginning. <laughs> we can talk about this right, for right. a long, long time. So yeah. I want to kind of distill it down into the major points. But or we could just make it two parts if we get into it like that. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we could definitely can. <laughs> but 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 let's 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 concentrate on this part. You right, and then and go from there. Um, there's so many religions out there. Yeah. For it to be forced on us and say this is the one true religion, mm-hmm. to me is fraudulent mm-hmm. in that you're a kid taking the word of your elders as gospel. Mm-hmm. And then you got to double back when you get old enough to have your own sense and say, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Does this make sense to me? So you're already indoctrinated and then possibly you pull back and then you re-engage of your old volition like we, we it seems like we all have mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and to me that whole part of it is like i said is fraudulent mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the right thing to do because we you know as much as faith is you know believing without seeing mm. seeing is the proof mm-hmm. mm. And you can see through works and and stuff yeah. like that, mm-hmm. but I mean, we really won't know until we get there, right? Like he- till we die is what you're saying. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't know. Nobody. Nobody can really say. Yeah. Can really know. But we were taught that mm-hmm. this is what we know, yeah. right? This is what we believe, and we know that this is the case. So go down this path, and you're gonna be all right. And so to me, it was like, well when I started thinking about other people of other religions, like what happens to them? Mm-hmm. Right. What happens to the people who never even heard of Christianity? Mm-hmm. You know, people who don't never even heard of the rest of the world, much mm-hmm. less the religions that are practiced by the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Are they just damned because simply because they didn't have the good fortune of being brought up and exposed to the religion that you say is the one true religion. Right. And so that was, a major sticking point for me. I, I couldn't believe that if I believed in this just mm-hmm. and loving God, mm-hmm. that others would be damned simply because they weren't aware. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the points where I was like, ah, this kind of just doesn't make sense. The next point for me, it was was the hypocrisy welding that you were talking about mm-hmm. of the practitioners. Mm-hmm. What one of the things that I've come to is to understand you cannot blame the religion for the people who practice the religion. Right. And so if you take the tenets of the religion That's what I came to re- recognize. Yeah, that that different. you can still be and follow that way mm-hmm. without falling into the pitfalls of those who seem to practice the religion. And so you know, when I say I'm a Christian, I kinda say it in quotes because mm-hmm. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. I believe in at least a higher power that has had that has influence over not only just us as a humanity but universally has influence mm-hmm. but to me it's it's it it, it 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 gels more when it's more scientific than feeling right 
But that's always the debate, though, right? There's, um, not the debate, but that's always where there's a lot of back and forth, science and religion. Yeah. So the science community and the religious community historically always are at odds, right? So I read a book or mm-hmm. a couple of books by this author named Lee Strobel. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, mm-hmm. but he has a couple of books, and they're called The Case for Books, mm-hmm. right? The Case for Faith, The Case for Christ. Did they, uh, did they make a movie? I think I saw I think they made one I movie saw the Netflix called Case for Christ. The Case for Christ. I saw yeah. that one, yeah. And so uh, I was introduced to uh, one of these books by one of uh, co- college mates, mm-hmm. and I read the book, and I was like, come on, this makes sense, because this guy, Lee Strobel, was a scientist mm-hmm. who came to faith from the science community. He was an atheist, yeah, right. and he came to faith through the so when I read his book and he put it in a way that was more intellectualized right. than an emotional-based mm-hmm. religion, then it allowed me to open the door a little bit more and say, okay, there's something to this that I can vibe with and understand. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what got me going back into right. it and understanding. But then I realized the emotional part is where a lot of the manipulation comes in. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me back out of it. So. I wouldn't say I'm practicing, but then at the same time, who's to say? Because, all right, going back in college was a minor in religion. Mm -hmm. And so I took studies for Islam, Judaism, saints, Mm -hmm. mysticism, Mm -hmm. um, Christianity, all those courses. Mm -hmm. And those mostly are the Abrahamic religions. Mm And then we had, you know, like in the mysticism classes, we had some of the other, you know, types of Sufism, mm-hmm. um, Santeria, Santeria. yeah, Olodumare, you know, yeah, yeah. all the African religions, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Hinduism, mm-hmm. Shintoism, mm-hmm. Uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were just so more, so many that we just we studied in just those classes, and then so many more that we don't even don't didn't know. even know about. Mm-hmm. That it just again came. I came to this place that it, there cannot be a god that would damn somebody who simply didn't practice the one quote unquote true religion mm-hmm. of Christianity. And to me, honestly, Islam was the most devout of the Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they pray it's it's part of their daily life five times a day mm-hmm. to and, and the reasoning for them to do is to always keep god on your mind he comes first right that kind of devotion to me mm-hmm. showed that yeah that's the kind of stuff that i feel like christians should be doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was opposite to me. I mean, so many cases where I was just like, I can't do this, man. These people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Well, I feel like Christianity does do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you, if you're, you know, a devout Christian, you can. You know, how's the song go? You can tell I'm a Christian by the way I walk mm-hmm. or the way I talk. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You know, I feel like, I feel like, Islam has the most. Um, Religious um, practices mm-hmm. that or are rituals, rituals, or, right? Devoted to know. to God, but I I feel like, you know, if the the way that um the way that a Christian is or t- or can be to me, mm-hmm. um, I guess in an ideal setting, is is you, you could tell all the time by by what what they what they offer to you what they say to you if you ask them something mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. i feel like it's it's it becomes more of a practice it's a way of life and almost 
It's almost everything sure. you do, you know, ideally. And and the thing was, when it comes to the hypocrisy part, that's that's what was taught to us as a kid. And that's what was absorbed the most for me, I think, was to be a Christian, you should be Christ-like. You, mm-hmm. Almost like you should be always willing to help, slow to anger, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, a literal, what would Jesus do? Right. Yeah. right. And and that's how we kind of were raised. And the only downside to that is when you're dealing in a world that, you know, that that people can use these sort of gestures or, or tell you things to elicit that Christian response for you to then take advantage of you was a little uh, disarming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it put me, put me back... I would say, you know, years Mm -hmm. as far as my outlook of the world because once that indoctrinated system was taught to us and they're like, oh, okay, you know, be good and good things will come to you. And when that clashed with reality, that's when that's where this the separation came from. But that's the fraud that I'm talking about because that's what they teach you, but that's not the reality. Right. Then and that is I'm agreeing 100%. That's one of the things that happened to to me personally or you know even in my family, my sister, you know, my sister probably felt the same way. I think at, at around the same time I was really realizing these things probably early teenage years. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, the the separation I feel like for for males is written into the Bible mm. cuz you know Jesus just disappears as an early teen mm-hmm. for for a while. Yeah, it's like twenty years. Right? Shows yeah, back up yeah. as a 30, 32 yeah. year old man, thirty year old, and mm-hmm. so it's like, well, where'd he go? You know, maybe maybe there's something about you coming of age, mm-hmm. um, and and that time in your life and your outlook on life, and to. You know, you have you have to kind of go through the weeds almost on your own a little bit to come back to it on your own, which I also feel has happened to mm. each of us. Mm. Yeah, I, I think. And just to speak on that whole. Yeah. From the biblical standpoint, at least the, the Protestant Bible, you know, Jesus disappears from like 12 and he doesn't come back until 30. Right. Um, You know, so there's other writings that claim to fill in those gaps fill in those gaps right so i know i read the aquarian gospel of jesus right and the it's called the aquarian gospel of jesus and and that aquarian gospel is supposed to tell you what jesus was doing from 12 Mm -hmm. until 30 Mm -hmm. i mean you can believe it if you want but i know i read it interested in what would (laughs) since the bible doesn't tell us what happens in that gap what what does this particular reading do um and the apocryphal books as well. Yeah, I think to, to yeah, there's some books that are not in the Protestant Bible mm-hmm. that others claim, you know, could have been part of that canon if someone else had organized it. But, um, you know, so when I decided to come back, one of the things that drove me back, um, you know, I, 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 I was organizing in Philly and I met a, uh, I used to be a director of a school and uh, I had a parent who was so what you would call right now woke, so African centered. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they were Christian. And at, at that time, my thinking, I'm like 24, 25. My thinking is like, 
How? how? Right? It's got to be how. Like, how? How can you be both? Because for me, I thought, as I told you before, I thought you had to pick. I, had, I thought you had to choose, and I chose to go this way. Let me ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, did your uh, absorption of the, the teachings of Malcolm X inform that kind of separation of, of, of thought stream that you can be a Christian and be kind of pro-black? Yeah, so listening to Malcolm X, listening to his critiques of Christianity, and then when I went to grad school, um, being around students who were so committed to the fight and the liberation of freedom and justice for black folks and understanding that they almost saw the dichotomy or the they saw the paradox in yeah. the relationship between being an organizer for the people and being a Christian like they that sentiment was out there in 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 my grad school as well for a lot of us not everybody for a lot of students you couldn't be both so when i met this parent at, again i'm a director of an african centered school so i met this parent who i'm talking about they wear you know kente club mud club they every day they they all their names they change their names but at the same time they're christian so i was just like you know how hmm. um one of the parents gave me a book to read by Reverend Albert Clegg called, Clegg called uh, Black Christian Nationalism. And he had created a denomination called the Pan-African Orthodox Christian Church, mm. which had these churches, the Shrine of the Black Madonnas. And he really becomes popular during the civil rights movement and the black power movement. He's very strong in his articulation that Jesus was a black man, that he was a forerunner to what today is called black liberation theology. At mm. the time, he would just call it black theology. But he basically, you know, was talking about reading the Bible as a history book from a historical perspective. The original Hebrews are people of color. You know, the New Testament is about this group of people, the Hebrew people of color. Jesus is of that group. They are being oppressed by this white Roman Empire. I mean, he does it to kind of navigate what's happening in the black power movement mm-hmm. um but again it shifted my lens of what christianity was and as i'm reading the book i'm like i didn't know a lot of this but i claimed to be a christian right. so it inspired me to um read the gospels for myself so i read the gospels for myself i read the epistles of paul for myself i read the major and minor prophets for myself and it really began to shift and i began to see that my perceptions of christianity which were guided by mainstream teachings Mm -hmm. were off Mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily true or i won't say they weren't necessarily true but the the perspective the lens was different um and once i read these scriptures by myself once i read what was happening by myself i i began to see that mainstream christianity and what's promoted uh, for instance, this notion of like God and country, that's like the biggest misnomer mm-hmm. <laughs> you could have mm-hmm. about Christianity or faith or whatever. Um, so I began to see that, you know, there's a lot of things. If you read the Bible, like whatever mainstream Christianity is promoting, that ain't that ain't right. It's not right and mm-hmm. it's not correct. And at the same time, understanding that God was like. He extends grace, right? So, like I said before, I left church because I felt like everybody was being hypocrites, including myself. Not just everybody, but even myself. But I learned at that point, like, if you are a messed up person, if if your soul's messed up, if your life is messed up, 
that's where you're going to go. You you need to go to the church. Mm-hmm. You're going to find messed up. It's like, mm-hmm. I hate to say this, so fat people who need to lose weight. Need to go to the gym. They're going to go to the gym, yeah. right? And and pardon me for saying fat, but you know what I'm saying? My point is, if you go to the gym, you you all see some people who are in shape, but the people who need to be at the gym are the folks who may not be in shape. You want them, that's where you want them to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, these folks who are dealing with, hypocrisy maybe they're liars they're cheaters dealing with addictions or whatever they got these contradictions but maybe they need to go to church to be inspired to be better um so i just had a different shift so i began after i read you know for me personally i, I thought i'm sure that i heard the call into ministry and um that to me was something new and unique so i remember calling my dad to be like, yo, because growing up, I would hear my dad say, you know, I was called to the ministry. I think my dad's story is he was called at 19 and he answered. So I I never asked him, what does that mean to be called? Mm-hmm. But when I thought, oh, now what I knew was being called, I, I, I was like, you know, is that what this is? And I would ask. So, you know, I was called around 26 and uh, 27 and I accept. No, I, I was called around 26, still not really knowing what that meant, but I accepted it at 27. We don't got to get into that now. But all that to say. Reading the Gospels for myself, understanding that mainstream Christianity as promoted here in our society is not always or is not always necessarily in line with what is in the Bible. And mainstream Christianity, like anything, can take advantage of folks who don't know. It, it, no, I think that's you what mean it does. Like the war on Christmas. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm also saying it can in the sense like it can be intentional, but it can also be unintentional so So, like if you if i say something and you just don't know if it's true or i might be saying it because i think it's true Mm -hmm. and you might take it as truth because you see the conviction in me Mm -hmm. but i may not know it either or maybe i have a misunderstanding and based on the fact that you didn't know it at all you might take it based on my conviction as truth so uh, don't get me wrong there are people who i think manipulate the scriptures in the word and I, even in jesus's day jesus was very critical of religious leaders who did that to the torah because yeah. he grew up jewish he was like i know you're manipulating this for your own benefit so right. those are those people who exist but there's also people who they just they're, they're manipulated because they don't know like like in america there's certain citizens you can manipulate because they don't know the rules they don't know the laws right. and they can be manipulated intentionally or unintentionally because on some level they just don't but to me, that's mm-hmm. the highest order of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I think hypocrisy, I don't know if it's one of the, I don't think it's one of the seven deadly sins, but I think it should be up there because mm-hmm. if the one thing mm-hmm. that's supposed to provide you with salvation mm-hmm. is leading you to damnation, mm-hmm. then that is the opposite of what it's whole existence is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if people can use it to manipulate and that's why I say I I definitely have to work oh, on yeah. separating the religion from the religious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Right. Because it's the people who put it into practice that right. do these things. Right. But there is no religion. There is no God without people. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no one to experience grace, as mm-hmm. you put it, mm-hmm. without you know without people. So it's you know without people's existence, there's no existence of God. Mm-hmm. Whether you know, or you no think, concept or no concept of it, of it. Uh, exactly, uh, mm-hmm. because there's nothing to experience it. I hear what you're saying. So the fact that that experience can be turned upside down on its head uh, and man, and used for manipulation. Yeah, those who manipulate, I think there's a special place in hell for them. 
if you man, if you knowingly manipulate the word of God, I'll say for now, and you attach God to it, and you know, no God had nothing to do with it. Yeah. That's that's a serious offense. Maybe not on the physical level in this realm, but I think that's a serious spiritual offense that will impact you uh, in the next realm. I, I think it'll impact you in this yeah. realm, but I just, you know, it's a serious spiritual offense. But and, and there's a lot of people do. And now it has become to the point where you can have people who are leaders who have been manipulated in their learning yeah. and they pass it down as right. well. I really think for me. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm a pastor who has never gone to seminary school. And that used to not be uh, so abnormal. But now, as people begin to put more emphasis on education and things like that, you know, as churches, when they ever, whenever they look for pastors, a lot of them want to know what seminary school you went to. Where did you get your school? Yeah, it's like going to law school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never gone to seminary school. When I was ordained, I studied under another pastor uh, three days a week. For two years um reading and understanding concept and, I, and the person who i studied under it wasn't my father the person who i studied under knew how to read hebrew knew how to write hebrew mm. uh knew how to break down the scriptures i mean i would just talk to him on the phone and out of the blue he say man if you turn the first king something i'm like yo how do you know like mm-hmm. just i'm saying all that to say you do need to study i didn't go to uh, a seminary school but i believe you need to study whenever you're in positions of leadership but once you study and like because I've read, I won't say I've read all. I've read about ninety percent of the Bible. I might have read all of it, but I'm always hesitant to say that because yeah. every time I read, yeah, every else. yeah, every time I read, I get something else, and I'm like, did I read this before? But uh, uh, I know I've read a great deal of it, like at least ninety percent of it. And I say all that to say, once you've read the Bible, and I've all, I still study it and all that. Like it's not too many people that I think could fool me, at least on what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody says this, 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 but the Bible says, I'd be like, well, you got to show me. Because if you're telling me the Bible says it, you should be able to show me. Mm. Uh, and then there's a lot of times where people will show you a, a great trick is to take a scripture, remove from where it is in the Bible and act like that scripture applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Scriptures mm-hmm. and things are written in context. There's situations happening. And that also contributes to a great of the misleading. But like you said, Jesus. So once I read the scriptures, right. Jesus wasn't promoting Christianity. That's not what Jesus called it, right? Jesus wasn't out here trying. Jesus would make no bones about it. He was Jewish. He practiced Jewish law. He observed Jewish law. But what ends up happening is he's what he called what he was doing was, I don't know how to say it in Hebrew, but it was called the way. He's just trying to encourage a way of life. Mm-hmm that in turn has become turned into this religion mm-hmm. called Christianity. Mm-hmm. But Jesus made no bones about it. I'm just trying to show you the way of life, a way of life or the way of life to be in commune, communion with God. He observed the Jewish law and all that, but there were some things about the Jewish law that he said was limited. There was things about Jewish teachers that he believed was corrupt. Um, and well, let me step back uh-huh. because we're getting into the weeds of, and this is just Christianity. Christianity yeah, right. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we should pull back a little bit mm-hmm. because there are so many other religions. Well, but that's what I was going to say. Even just in the mm-hmm. lens of Christianity, how does one know, right? Or of any religion that that is the way, right? Because all of these doctrines and all of these books and historical contexts that were written and told mm-hmm. are written and told by men. Right. And men and men meaning men and women. I know. But 
men are fallible. Mm-hmm. Men intentionally change things yep. to suit their purposes. Mm-hmm. So a long history is like the telephone game, mm-hmm. right? Things change as history goes on and time goes on and and maybe we're not getting the original contextual understanding and meaning of some of these things. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's to me it's like how do we know? We don't. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't. And that's the kind of uh, humility that I don't see in yeah. religion. Because some people will promote it. Like, I'm sorry. Everybody wants to say this is the way yes. and we have to convert. Yes. And I feel like that's one of the biggest issues with almost, you know, any any religion where they say you have to live this way or else. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it becomes an issue to me because you're going to have people somewhere mm-hmm. that feel the same way about theirs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And you know, and then you see what you see what happens when you get, you know, you get the crusades or you get the dark ages. Yeah. It, yeah. You don't even want to record what people didn't even want to yeah. record. Literally the dark here. ages, they turned the lights off on that period in history because <laughs> the they didn't want to talk about the it. Reset yeah. We got to wait 30 seconds. And guess what's happening in Africa during the dark ages? Enlightenment. Enlightenment, yep. right? So we don't learn about that. But my point is, you're right. Every religion. So, you know, for me, when I talk about religion and God. <laughs> that could person, have been its own reason for the dark ages right there. <laughs> yeah. They shut it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We won't talk about that. Yeah. We won't talk I re- about that. I mean, I really think that's why they, they teach you nothing's happening in the world at mm-hmm. that time. Well, yes, there is. You really mean nothing's happening in Europe of mm-hmm. significance. Mm-hmm. But because you make Europe's synonymous with the world Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you tell us nothing's happening but i also feel like this because i think that's a sticky subject and 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 that's one of the things that i was hesitant about right so one of the things that we see traditionally happening in christianity is this is the one and only but we know all these other faiths have similar stances right and let me just interject Mm -hmm. because it's not just amongst the religions Mm -hmm. it's within christianity i remember growing up Mm -hmm with a lot of Catholics because we were living up here and we would talk about it and explore it with our young minds. Yeah, I'm Christian. You know, I go to a Christian church. Yeah, but you're not a Catholic is what I would get. And I'm like, hold on, aren't Catholics just Christians of a different denomination? We basically believe in the same God, the same tenets. We may not, you know, worship the same way, but, and so that at a young age too, that turned me off. And some feel that, and some feel that Christian, I mean, some feel that Catholicism, not all, but some within the Christian the Christian community feel that Catholicism is outside of it, right? And they doing their own thing, right. which you know help not help, but you know this Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, right. was because of all what they felt was going on in the Catholic Church. That was right, not, the schism and all. Yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But some feel that some will say, "Well, aren't y'all Christians?" Some hold to the position they are, but there are some who say, "No, they're not Christians. They're just Catholics, which mm-hmm. is like their own thing." Mm-hmm. But that. Speaking of that, for me, what I like to say is, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Like my I and and that to me puts limits on like I'm not trying to say your religion's wrong. I don't know. But God was revealed to me mm-hmm. through the teachings and the preachings and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how I mm. got my relationship with God stronger. Somebody else might have another way. I don't I I think it's it's wrong to put. And I know other preachers who do this and faiths who do this and even in our faith. It's wrong to put people in hell <laughs> so, for not believing so your kinda, faith. Let's pivot a little bit. Uh-huh. Is is there a heaven and is there a hell? Is there a literal heaven? Is there I a believe literal so. hell? I believe there's a, a utopia that Christians call heaven. That they go to. That your spirit. Posthumously. 
after the body, after the body dies, there's an energy, a soul, spirit, whatever, that goes to another realm mm-hmm. that I think Christians have called heaven. Mm-hmm. I believe Or it. hell. Or heaven. Or I'm sorry, or hell, yes. You go to this realm. You either go into heaven or you go into heaven. <laughs> no, no, yeah. But there, believe it or not, there is now this thought in Christianity yeah. that's, you know, he, he caused a lot of controversy. I forgot his name. I think his name is Carson. He began preaching there is no hell. Mm-hmm. And he was kicked out of his church. Mm-hmm. He had to start. He used to be big on TV. And I mean, he was a black guy. He, his hair looked like Elvis. But I'm saying he had some epiphany. And he stopped preaching that there's a heaven and a hell. And he started preaching that everybody goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. And Well, Christianity, I would say, is the only religion, mm-hmm. really, that believes in a hell, right? I don't know. I'm not sure about Islam. I know Judaism doesn't believe in, in a hell, in I the think, concept of hell. I think, I think. Why do I think Islam believes in hell? I, I, I'm not. They may. They may. Yeah, they may. They That's the only one I'm, I'm, I'm and, a little uncertain about. Mm. But, you know, Hinduism, there's no hell in mm. Hinduism. Mm. Uh, you know, in uh, some of the Native American religions, right. there's no hell. Mm. Well, uh, is there some place of. There's an underworld. Like an which eight, I think, eternal damnation? They may not call it hell, but is there a place? So I think. A well, lot of them yeah. being here is the hell. Oh, okay. A lot of them that, being here is the hell. This yeah, is the hell. part of it too. Yeah. Now I once heard. Now I'm not sure because I'm not studying Nation of Islam, but at one point I was. But you know, Nation of Islam teaches heaven and hell are conditions mm-hmm. that you make for yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's not a place, but it's a condition. Right. Um. But I, I I wonder. You know, some is there this place of eternal damnation? Is there a place you go? There isn't there. I mean, for most religions, there's some kind of emphasis put on whether you do good. There's some kind of reward for doing good. Some kind of punishment for doing evil. But then what's good? And then what's right. evil? We got to ask based those on, questions. That's all. Yeah, based on your moral concept. And, and but where do your moral concept come culture. from? Culture. But where does the culture come from? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it informed by the religion, or is it informed by just how we've come together? Uh, naturally as human beings when we started forming communities yeah. when we were, when I we think were you know, I, by ourselves. Might be a mixture. See, I think that even what we call Christianity, this comes out of the Hebrew culture. Mm-hmm. You know, Of course, yes. Of the Hebrew people, yes. right? So when when you hear them say they're the chosen ones, right? Let's, let's they, just, I mean, they, they're calling themselves the right? chosen it's, ones. It's there, it, it comes, it, 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 and I don't want to get into some of the details because some of the folks that are calling themselves that are not, but I'm saying if you go back to just Hebrew culture, let's just say Hebrew culture, and Christianity comes out of this Hebrew people, Hebrew culture. Like, is it really weird that they would call themselves the chosen, the chosen ones, ones if yeah. it's it comes out of culture? If it's coming out of them, so it's like another. If another culture creates a, another, you know, but that's essentially damning everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like in the Bible, it says one hundred and forty-four thousand people, right, 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 will be the ones who will be called up. Now that's not a lot of people, man. So I, don't, it, I think there's, you know, right. this, this county has more than 144,000. Right. That that is the thing, and then it's also in the word I'll pull out that you know he looked once, saw 144,000, glanced back, and he the number he could not count. Yeah. But some have made the argument again that 144 is symbolic yeah. of completion yeah. of right. the trial. But you know, like you said, I, 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 all I, these. I'm I know using that as an Exa- example. Yeah. Right. It isn't not, a lot. If I, it's 144. A lot of us are, what? We in trouble. I'm nervous. But, 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 but here's my point. When I step back and say, because. I'm nervous. <laughs> just yeah, I'm real nervous. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and if you're nervous, then I'm just giving up because, you know, I, I ain't there. But, but, but just to step back and look at it through that lens is mm-hmm. to say that 
man, we don't know. And we are calling ourselves these chosen people or we're saying that our religion is the chosen one and is the right one. And if you don't go this way, you're going to be dead. I just, you know, we don't know. And the fact that we put, of course, what what happens after we die, nobody knows. So they want to put some importance and on on their beliefs and say, yes, this is the way to get you to that next step. Mm -hmm. But we don't know how all of this came about. We have never had that 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 case that mm -hmm. base case we never drilled down to that base where does religion come from where does the thought of your spirit come mm -hmm. from where does the thought of a higher being who who can damn you and 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 when we get into that conversation of damnation to me it's again a little bit hypocritical because if this is a god that has made you in his image and i'm not just talking about christianity but mm -hmm. all the abrahamic religions mm -hmm. believe that right made you in his image um then and 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 loves you or or wants for you at least to follow that way mm -hmm. right how can then at the end of the such a short period of time if you kind of commingle it with science and what we think the length of what is it 13 billion years the universe has been around something like I'm that i'm gonna go with your number so <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go with it too <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go. um you know the span of you know you compare say 80 years mm-hmm to 13 billion years, you're saying that little blip of time is going to give me eternal damnation. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. It doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't to you, make logical right. sense to me that, all right, let's go with the premise that there is a all knowing being who created humans in their image. Mm -hmm. Why would that being then want to damn that thing? Mm -hmm. I right? tell you what, if we go by just those two numbers, for instance, 144,000 is going to go to heaven and 7.5 billion peoples in the earth right now. That's just for right now. You're talking about 0. 0.00001% of people. Jeez. And that's and not counting the people who died already. Now, hold up. I, I got the number. <laughs> oh, I got oh, the number oh, just so. in case. So the other number is there's believed to be or have been 113 billion people throughout history throughout throughout history and mm -hmm. that's just for our species right <laughs> we're not even getting into cro-magnon and neanderthal <laughs> or, or any, possible alien species or anything uh, <laughs> like that yeah so then that number you know is gonna be even lower well, let me get, let me get the percentage that. yeah it's you're saying it's gonna be like some infinitesimal number less than point zero 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 one percent less than one grain of sand yeah. Yeah, amongst yeah. all the grains of sands on now Earth. you're down to point zero 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 one yeah and that we're just talking <laughs> about earthlings <laughs> that's, that's, earth. that's just earthlings so, I, I just yeah. you know to me so everybody should be nervous to me everybody and, and maybe we do need to do a second part of this mm -hmm. but to me to indoctrinate in the stage of a human's life where they're fully dependent on you mm. to give them everything they need. And then for them to have to pull back or, or at least have an opportunity to pull back and do it of their own volition mm -hmm. is, is, is a fraudulent might be a strong word, but that's how I feel yeah. about it. It's, it's yeah. disingenuous. Yeah. I'll tell you. And another thing as an out, outside sort of thing, Dante's Inferno has mm. the nine circles. Mm. The two lowest levels, the, so the deepest pits of hell, were saved for traitors, mm -hmm. or no, 
fraud was the sec- eighth level, and then traitors is the ninth level. Mm. So, so fraudulence. So, is the yeah. biggest offense you could do. Yeah. Here's what I've learned: that faith should make you should ga- give you more humility. What I've learned is the deeper and the more I've studied and the more I try to draw a relationship with God, I recognize the less I know. Mm. Any type of faith that proclaims to know everything. So I think the purpose of faith, you asked this question, like, how did it come to be, blah, 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 or who created it? And I don't know those answers, so I'm not answering that. But what I'm saying is I think. They were hypothetical. Right, I know. <laughs> what, what, uh, but I'm, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, I think I know the answer to one of them because there's a. I, I didn't know the name. There is a notion out there that there was in a, a king on the African continent who introduced to the world this concept of an afterlife. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know the name. I, I wanted to say Imhotep, but I might be wrong, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to say it. Um, but this, um, what I've come to realize is that um, what I think the purpose of religion or faith in God should is trying to teach us is that we who are humans don't know all the answers. Even though we might be humans, we can't control the heavens and the earth. There's some, there's things that are beyond our control that are outside of being human centered. And it's dangerous for humans to become human centered and everything in the sense that humans can dominate, manipulate, and figure out everything. Like I think there's a, that a portion of faith or religion, I'll say for lack of a better term, that a portion of religion should leave the this notion out there that you're not going to figure out everything. Mm. That's hard for some people to recognize. Man is always trying to figure out new things, new stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a part of God that is just what I've come to settle on for me there's a part or an aspect of god that is always going to remain a mystery and the reason why that aspect of god is always going to remain a mystery is to remind us that there is a power greater than us there's something out there greater than us that we can't manipulate Mm -hmm. we can't figure out and we have to have faith that for lack of a better that's term very, it, it'll work out to our good you said that. that's just my thinking and, and and i say that to say i never as a pastor or even as a minister i never condemn people to hell. i made a mistake one time i was a little kid though indoctrinated i remember telling a jewish kid in elementary school i feel bad to this day i know his name i wish i could find him i've tried to find him to apologize i won't say his name on this thing but i told him because he, when he told the class he was jewish my first response and i didn't even think i was doing any harm i was like yo you going to hell mm. he was like he rolled his eyes because I'm sure him growing up as a he's Jewish person, yeah. he's heard it before, or his parents, what the Jewish culture does, his parents have taught them that this is what you might face you being Jewish. Right. Mm-hmm. So when he said it, he rolled his eyes, and I'm and I'm thinking I'm doing him good because what I learned in church was right. if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Yeah. So I'm doing this because I think I'm doing this because, yo, I like you, man. I think you're cool, and I want you to go to heaven, right. so I need you to believe in Jesus. Right. All that to say, I've grown to understand now. I don't put nobody. I don't have the power to put anybody in hell. I don't have the power to put anybody in heaven. So I'm never going to say if you don't believe or act like I think you go into hell. I leave and reserve those things for God. God figures that all out. All I'll say is this is how God was revealed to me. 
and I, if you want me, I, I can share that experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I can share what I, these interpretations mm-hmm. that I, how I've interpreted things. I can share that. Put with it you. out there and let yeah. them come to and it. Let, yeah. And and so there's a scripture that said, uh, let me. Not, I don't know if it's a scripture that's bad, right? Some will, some will plant the seed. Some will water the seed. Mm-hmm. But only God provides the increase. And mm-hmm. I take that to mean, you know, you're going to plant some things in somebody's head or you might say something that will remind somebody of what they heard before. Mm-hmm. But only God is going to be able to create that change or whatever. So I never I never give myself credit for bringing somebody to Jesus or to Christianity. I can never do that. I don't have the power to do that. I can either plant a seed or water a seed, but only God has the power to draw them into this faith. So I say that to say, I just really believe religion should make one more humble, more human, you know, bring humility so that it's not a problem for me to say, I don't know everything. But some preachers, some pastors, some religious imams, rabbis, priests, people in general, some people have a problem and, and they are intimidated by saying they don't know. Yeah. And I, I try not to be because I think that's the miracle or the mystery of faith. And that's the mystery. I just think God, there's some aspects of God that's always going to be a mystery no matter what we try to do. And we just, for me, it's like I can live with that. I'm going to settle on that. And whatever I don't get, you know, I feel will be revealed to me in time. That's the faith I have. Mm-hmm. The faith I have is that mm-hmm. what I need to be revealed to me will be revealed to me in time. And, you know, that's how I move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I can get behind that. And that whole humility theme is is really where uh, you know it is for me. You 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 experience what you experience. You mm. put it out there, and yeah. you let them come to it or receive it how they receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's a lot of aspects to this for me. There is the personal development yeah. and growth, and then there's the external understanding or the, you know, like I said, people who don't know and you know, how do they come to that? And how did they get that whatever grace you feel you're receiving? Mm. How did they get that even if they're not a Christian or have the opportunity to understand Christendom? Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, to me, you know, Af- growing up in Africa, you see all these commercials of the starving African mm-hmm. kid who we got to send our two cents a day to yeah. to get them some food. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how can you say that that kid who grew up in shit? And is going to die in mm. shit mm. is going to hell. That bothers me mm. to no end. Right. Mm. Or that the God that they get from their community ain't as legit as yours. Ain't as legit as yours. Right. You know? And so that's the whole holistic picture that I feel we do not step back. And it goes in line with the humility that you're mm. talking about because mm. we know. Yeah. And so we don't step back humble ourselves to say maybe there's something else out there yeah. and we just don't understand it and so move in that kind of direction you know and that's it for me i mean like there's so many other aspects of it but it, it just seems like we move in a way where we think we know better than everybody else mm-hmm. whereas the hypocrisy of it is that you need the humility to know that you don't know right it's one of the things that i i've uh, come to appreciate most about um being spiritual is personally humbling myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the earliest indications I ever had of it, I have, I had to share it because it just hit me so hard when you, when you guys said it right now was that in um, Islamic art and architecture, as well as Nav- Navajo, I believe art and architecture, these guys were amazing, amazing skills, um, trap, 
craftsmen in that these patterns, I don't know if you're as familiar, but these patterns in Islamic architecture are highly ornate, very geometrical, and they take years to do. Mm -hmm. And if you're a master, you've mastered it. Mm -hmm. You you always leave a section imperfect. Mm -hmm. And Mm. that's because they believe only God was perfect. Mm -hmm. So even in the manifestation of their art, Mm. they would... In, of their own creation. They would intentionally mm. make something, something imperfect, imperfect just to humble themselves mm-hmm. before uh, God yeah. in that in that mastery of their craft still. Right. That's a deep lesson. And, uh, yeah, I've I've always I've always liked hearing that and I've always internalized that. I don't necessarily do it on work that I do for, yeah, for, I'm, for I'm, people, yeah, I but <laughs> but I understand where that came from and, and why I do it and it's um it's a it's a pop one of the best reminders for me to stay humble yeah. um, in front of God. I guess one That's of the questions, that is dope. That and, is dope. And I guess, you know, going off of that, one of the questions I would have is why, why is striving for that perfection a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Right. Why is striving for understanding a bad thing? I don't think it. So how I would interpret that. I don't think striving for it is bad. But I think being able to accept being that able to accept that you may not mm-hmm. get there, mm-hmm. that's part. You got to be humble enough to say, I can strive for it, but if I don't get there, I ain't going to hurt somebody else over the fact that I didn't get there. Mm. Um, so, so f- like, here's what I tell. I hate to keep going back to me, but this is this conversation. So fundamental. That's who you know best. Yeah, me. Right. Um, but yeah. uh a lot of humility there. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Opposite of humility. But like I, I tell people, so when I think, again, that the concept of Jesus is so different than what the Bible says. For instance, me growing up in Christianity, we were taught Jesus is here, right? No. That some people actually, damn, do I want to get myself in trouble? Some people will say that Jesus is a deity in itself mm-hmm. and that Jesus was here and we can never obtain what Jesus obtained. That might be true. Mm. But I don't think that's what Jesus's message was. Right, he can you imagine ground. Jesus being here saying you can never be like me? Yeah. And that's why I'm here to but, show y'all y'all can't do right. what I'm doing. Right. I think Jesus. But follow me anyway. Right, right. But follow me. Jesus' whole point in following was like, look at me. I'm an example that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't mm-hmm. do this. So strive because you can. And, and, and I also found this out biblically. The word perfect doesn't mean without error in most parts. Most times you see the English translation. The word perfect in, in the Bible doesn't mean without error. The word perfect means complete. Mm-hmm. So how are you a complete whole mm-hmm. human? Mm-hmm. What makes you complete in the eyes of God mm-hmm. or perfect in the eyes of God? The way Christianity takes it, talks about it, what makes you perfect in the eyes of God is your relationship with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. If you follow the gospel of Christ, Christ was trying to show you how to be made perfect in the eyes of God, how to be made complete in the eyes of God, mm-hmm. right? But my thing is, if we, can you imagine if we promoted Jesus as something that you can obtain, mm-hmm. that he was the example of showing you this is what you can do. This is what it looks like to humble your own will to the will of God. Mm. Here's an example. But instead, how Jesus is taught mainstream is he's up here. You're never going to be him. Yeah. But, you know, just study Fake what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the first child of God. 
I'm, according to Christianity, right? He's the begotten son. <laughs> so you, there you go, right there. You but, already been put in the backseat. <laughs> but that's the assumption. <laughs> but that's but that's the assumption, right? The assumption is because he's the begotten son, you ain't never gonna be that. Right. But I guess the part that they're trying to say that makes him. The, that you are tenable he came out of a womb of, of a, a, a human he, he spent time here he dealt with the same thing that he was on earth to show us this is how you can be in communion with god not to really come here to show us how you cannot be like him yeah we're definitely gonna have to get into that because yeah yeah but you know i think for all intensburg faith is a thing that everybody experiences individually I think even amongst ourselves, even though our walks are kind of similar, we all, if we're in it, we all decided for ourselves to come back, mm-hmm. right? Something in our lives. But I, I think we all can. But, agree. you know, again, you can question that, too, because okay. we, uh, you know, I go back to the indoctrina- indoctrination mm-hmm. that was, was imposed upon us growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. You know, did that unduly influence us to come back? Oh, but I'm, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're a victim of the circumstances because that we're born Because that's into. what we were exposed right. to. So even when we left, when we decided to come back, did we come back because we had an earlier uh, uh, exposure to Right, it? exactly. And I'm sure that that's probably why, for me. Because I was so, I'm trying to get to the point of what is the true me or, or the true understanding, the true way, as you put it earlier, right? Right. Because we don't know, right? And that's the, I guess, the humility that you're talking about. We don't know what the true way. This is how it's been revealed to us in our own personal lives. So this is the way we know, but. We cannot impose that on others. What if that's? What if that is the true way? Yeah. What if that is what the true way is? Say, say it again. What, what, what? Not knowing is the true way. Not knowing or coming to grips that you're not going to know everything. Mm. Mm. Being uh, humble enough to accept the fact that you're not going to know everything, but yet you still treat your people like your brother, your sister. You're mm. looking out for people. Mm. You're trying to do what, but understanding that you don't have all the answers, and in fact, and to get all the answers, you might actually need somebody else. Mm. I don't know. I think it would be interesting to talk about how that topic affects community, yeah. right? I, yeah. Because we we t- speak a lot about the lack of community that we have in today's world, where mm-hmm. we kind of grew up pre-internet, pre-data, yeah. and and had a bit of community from the old world, mm-hmm. but now live in a world where that community has kind of been shattered because everybody's so individualistic. I think that would be an interesting topic. It's a good talk. Yeah. Hey man, so where 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 can they uh get a hold of us at if they got questions? This was a dope topic, man. I don't know if we finished or not, but it's it's one. I think it's one of those topics where we we couldn't really finish. Yeah, it. there is yeah. no finish. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think it could drive a lot of questions. So if yeah. you want to email us at three kings at three kings talk dot com, then you can holler at us and we'll do our best because we don't know. We don't know, but we will do our best to answer from our own perspective. Hit us up, email three kings at three kings talk dot com. Yes, three sir. kings talk. On Instagram, on the IG. Yeah, follow us, man. And write us, man. Give us questions. Let us know what you're thinking. Holler at us. Peace, Kings. Peace, Peace, Kings. Love you, bros. Love you back.